0: out of these words 2,000 years ago. How are they going to beat ISIS? I don't think it's going to happen. But but he has these bizarre ideas about what Christianity stands for and what it means. Atomic bombs and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when he does, you will no longer be a homosexual, but you will be a heterosexual. And that's what it means to be white. To say that you're standing on your own ground and standing on somebody else's and then mystify the whole process this is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins, faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White-Hodge. Hey, hey, profane faithers and podcast listeners, how y'all doing? This your host, Daniel White Hodge. Another week, another time. Here we are back again. Oh, my goodness. Well, so, my gosh, the uh, coronavirus, huh? <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, if you're listening to this in real time, um, you know there's a bit of an outbreak and... Uh, This particular virus isn't necessarily turning us into zombies, but uh, you know, it's interesting just the amount of panic and the talk of, uh, and just really the worst, right, of humanity comes out when there's this type of fear in the world, right? It's like the amount of prejudice and racism against Asians, uh, anyone, you know, even thought of that looks like Chinese, uh, you know, the amount of... Uh, of folks that you know want to blame particularly just any agent for that matter you know and and you know that that racism starts to come out like you know this disease well uh, was started i heard some you know somebody say about how um you know that that it started it, it, that it was let out into the civilized world from the uncivilized world right and so you know there's this sense that you know uh, somehow this is a back ass or backwards, you know, a, a, a you know virus, and so you know somehow we the people have been, you know, have been, you know, given this 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 thing. So uh, you know it's it's yeah, it's interesting. I'm you know I'm concerned just in general. I mean I definitely am washing my hands, and you know people have made a run for you know hand sanitizer and all that good stuff. So. You know, I'm trying to keep the uh, keep the faith and keep the um, keep the keep somewhat of, of hope that you know uh, uh, that it, it, it that we won't get sick. But you know, it's like with this whole thing. I mean, I know there's a lot of cancellations and and whatnot with. Uh, you know, uh, conferences. I know South by Southwest got canceled, and which is a huge conference. And I know a lot of other, you know, regional conferences are being canceled. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, that stuff spreads. And of course, you know, we have a uh, impotent government to to do anything, you know, about it. You know, for the nation. So, you know, we're we're kind of up shit's creek uh, with with that. And so, God help us if we actually get an outbreak of something that, you know, has a mortality rate uh, of, you know. 20% or 30%. I mean, that's that's insane. I mean, I think it's a 2.5 or 2.9 or something like that right now. It may be even higher at the time that this, you know, this podcast is airing and, and whatnot. So yeah, it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting. I think that the uh, at the end of the day, you know, um it's very easy to to look at something like this and theodicize it and turn it into something that God brought upon us. And I know a lot of folks who are. Uh, you know, they're calling it the homo disease. Some people have called it that there. Some people have said it's the retribution uh, for um, uh, for, uh, you know, impe- trying to impeach Trump. And, you know, I mean, just all kinds of crazy shit. Right. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's 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 kind of it's it's yeah. When you think about it, it's just like, wow. So. Are the rich going to be able to survive? Because, again, as, as I think about this, I mean, so there's a couple of things here that I that that come up for me as I, as I think about just Corona, because uh, it's not just Corona, but it's like end end of societal mainstream. Now, I don't I'm not uh, I'm not one to think the world is going to end. I believe science. I think the world is. You know a few billion years old And I mean I think the earth will eventually die But I don't think most of us <laughs> Will be around to, to to witness that Now do I think societal Processes and, and processes will die Of course absolutely and so uh, You know that's something And you know the earth will just keep on going In fact if anything the earth needs a break From us as humans right In um, and, and matter of what we've been able to Deplete the earth from In just the time that humans have been on this earth Right you know it was 200-300 thousand years so, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, I start to think about, you know, what what does that mean for prepping? What does that mean for an emergency plan? And these are all subjects, right, that t- t- tend to be associated with white nationalism, white racism, um, people who are crazy. They put foil on their head because they think the UFOs are listening to them. And I get that. That's a that's a, a valid a stereotype valid uh image of a person that is you know that preps. I mean, you know, I think not know Nat Geo had a whole special, or they might still have a special on preppers. It was several seasons and and whatnot. And so, you know, you saw mainly a majority of white folks who uh you know who do that. And the industry of prepping um is is very lucrative right now. Um, I think about, you know, the folks who went out and bought the uh old nuclear silos right you could buy them if you had the money you could buy them really cheap uh and and, you know they were you know i mean they were pretty much torn up and everything so you had to have the money that didn't build the infrastructure but man alive man those things are like anything outside of a direct hit from a nuclear blast i mean you can live in those things for months years on end especially if you you know do it right which a lot of people have right i mean those those places are usually on sale between 20 and 50 million dollars you know for a a bunker in one of those and and i'm not just talking about like when you think about a bunker with a cot i'm talking about modern amenities swimming pool um you know cuz you got you got to remember i mean those things went down i think uh what 10 stories 11 stories um into the ground and um you know there's it's whole living quarters and facilities down there uh they have their own uh, air and oxygen that's made you know and if you know what you're doing with plants you can start creating your own oxygen i mean so it's it it's fascinating right once you start getting into it and then you gotta ask yourself then but this stuff is expensive right just to buy uh, a meal you know that's that's you know that's, that sits for like five years or something like that I and mean, those things are expensive um, so I, you know, and I, and this is something that I think about a lot. And and I know for some of you, you may think, Dan, you just, you look crazy. And and I'm hoping to do a, a, an episode on prepping, particularly black preppers. Um, I would actually like to get more into it, uh, myself. I don't necessarily feel as prepared as I should be. I feel like, um, I like everybody else. And mostly I should say most people are dependent on, on the grid, uh, dependent on the grocery store being replenished every week, um, dependent on the you know the the map systems, the geo uh, uh, movement, uh, you know the the what am I talking about? The you know our our map, our Google Maps. We're depending on the GPS you know system that we have, and so you know when those things go down, and we know this has happened, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure people living in New Orleans. In uh, in, in 2005, in June, you know, weren't thinking that you know they were that some were going to die and that they were going to be without you know electricity and that it was just going to be a complete breakdown of societal structure. You know, you probably couldn't have told anybody that, or maybe you could have, and maybe there was very few people who actually believed that that would happen, and so. You know, I, and, and, and we know that. I mean, think about Puerto Rico, right? Uh, and I know I myself was in the, you know, my first earthquake was the Loma Prieta earthquake back in like 89, I believe that was. Uh, and it knocked out electricity for three days, right? And uh, and this was prior to the full-on internet era where everything's connected and, you know, like cell phones were a novelty, Uh, so, you know, I, you know, I, I was still, you know, connected to the analog era. So, you know, it didn't necessarily affect us as much. I mean, we had to go and buy water and, 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 and stuff like that. But what does that mean then with something like this? Like coronavirus, I'm sure somebody will figure out a, a, um, a vaccine soon enough. And I'm sure somebody will figure out, you know, what to do next. I would imagine. I don't know. You know, I know there's theories just even around that, Right. Um, but you know, I, I I do think about that a lot. Like, what does that look and what is the and I'm not trying to look like oh God is in his most holy place and we're all gonna be raptured. Like I, no, I ain't getting into all that stuff. But I do, I do think about it. It's like what what are, what is our plan? What is the plan? Right? The lights go out. What is the plan? Where do we go? And I know this has all been peppered, right, with Hollywood movies that have said Hey, you know this is what's going to happen in the in, in in the end of the world and whatnot. So I, you know, I, I I think about that, and you know, again, it's stuff that most people don't want to think about. Um, but with who we have in office and who he has been advised by currently and in the past, uh, all of them have an apocalyptic future uh, that really centers whiteness and white people at the center of that table. Um and you know we talk about you know and it's it's always interesting that they you know want to put down particularly you know GOP folks and and the conservative right want to put down um you know conservative Islam uh but they themselves are you know just in in that same rule you know rule of law you know that 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 whole that notion and idea of how we tell you know particularists and, and people how to live uh where to live and 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 whatnot and particularly women uh that, that all that stuff exists i mean think about the fight over abortion right now um and so i again all those things come up and i think about it because i'm just like okay we live in a metropolitan city that is definitely connected and depending on a system of things Right. And this kind of gets into culture industry, kind of gets into power and authority. Who do you follow? How do you follow? Right. All those things. And so it just again, it gets me thinking, especially at the the height of where we're at right now with race, with classism. Um, You know, it would be flat out war. Right. Um, If there were no threat, if there were no sense of the law is going to come and get me, um, we can just kind of just do whatever we want. Um, I don't have much hope in, in most people. I'll just be honest. And so, um, yeah, you know, it makes, makes makes a brother think. And, you know, this kind of gets into the whole debate about, you know, gun laws and, you know, should we, you know, should we or should we not, uh, you know, what is, and what does that look like in being prepared? And this is this is something, you know, a modern concern. We Most people didn't have to think about this 100 years ago. Dang sure didn't have to think about it 200 years ago. Um, you know, and prior to that, we just was, it just was—it was non-existent. This notion and idea that—that that, you know, if the grid goes out, and you know, if there're going to be these warring, ro- roving, you know, militaristic groups and whatnot, well, they, well, a lot of that stuff already existed, right? And, you know, it's the reason why kingdoms were built up, you know, with these big ass walls and stuff, man. Right? It's like you go outside the kingdom walls. Hey, God bless you. Well, you know, you ain't going to be protected, right? So it's it's interesting to think about what we have set up here in you know the modern contemporary world of the infrastructure um and robert Schiller you know or herbert Schiller excuse me you know writes a book on um you know uh, spaces and what spaces look like and in particularly uh you know it comes kind of out of that ardorno school of thought culture industry and You know, talks about, you know, there really is no safe space There really is, you know, we're constantly being surveilled Constantly being, you know, looked at and whatnot And so uh, it just brings up some interesting things, right? And again, I get it No one really wants to think about these things Who wants to think about the end of the world? Who wants to think about, you know, roving uh, uh, paramilitary gangs, right? (laughs) No one wants to Uh, But uh, it is something that crosses my mind quite a bit um, and I'm just, you know, always trying to figure out like, OK, you, you know, how do you invest your money in things? So I am I am working on getting solar panels. So we'll, we'll see, man. And I try to harvest some of the water off my my roof because, you know, obviously can't live without water. Can do something with food, but you can't live without can't live without water. So, yeah, those are just some of the things, you know, here we are. <laughs> oh, mercy. Fun times, right? Fun times. Uh, well, here we are another week. Heading into it and uh hitting it well, my guest this week, Bobby G, brother Robert galky Uh and uh yeah, this this brother here, man, I met him Oh my gosh, years ago. I'm trying to think now. It's probably been about a good 12 years ago when we met. Uh this is when I was still on the ccda circuit before uh you know my exile from uh from organizations like that, right? And um, and you know, I was you know still one of their trainers, and I believe. Bobby came in, and I was doing one of my things on hip-hop and theology, and he was struck that I had... In one of the definitions I talked about hip-hop, you know, defining hip-hop, I said, you know, how it's it's a voice for you know not only just ethnic minorities but also poor disenfranchised whites and i you know it sounded like that caught his attention and so he um you know he we connected and uh you know come to find out this brother's an mc and stuff and and, you know he's got some pretty damn good lyrics and stuff in fact when he was living here in chicago i used to have him come out to my hip-hop class and he used to do this thing and you know a lot of mcs do this like real mcs do this where they go in and they just basically just say Give me a word. Give me a topic, and i'll I'll write write a rap on it. I'll write a rhyme on it. you know, and this and it was and he was just like, if you can stump me, great. you know, I'll give you something. And no one ever stumped him. They' throw out words, phrases, topics, and he would just go off the top of his head. And it would actually sound good. Oh, man. So this brother, he threw down. and then recently, He um, he found his heritage. He found his Jewish heritage and uh, he's been engaging with that ever since and stuff. And um, it's been interesting uh, because, like I said last week, you know, I wanted to have more conversations, particularly around what does it mean to be Jew? What does it mean to be Palestinian? And so this is kind of the first part. Next week, we're actually going to get into what it actually means with that whole debate, right? That whole, you know, Israeli-Palestine, you know, conflict and, you know, what it's about, what's the history of it. Uh, but this week, I wanted to kind of ease this in and talk to a little somebody who considers himself, and from his own kind of his self-bio, he says he's the poor man's scholar with almost 600 books in his personal library. He's a Messianic Jew MC on a mission. To speak unconf- uncomfortable truth, okay. This is his um, his own uh, 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 self-bio, and what you call it. And so, um, and so, you know, he's discovered that, and he's been, you know, digging at it and seeing what does it mean to be Jewish, what does it mean to be Christian, what does it mean to, you know, live in that tension, and what does it mean to live in a world where, right? Where you you've got these 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 warring entities, right? It's like when we think about Jesus as a Jew, um, Jesus doesn't necessarily even himself identify as Christian. Uh, so that brings up an interesting right dilemma uh, for folks. Uh, but I imagine most of us who are listening to this uh, podcast have probably you know pondered that quote unquote dilemma um, a little bit. And uh, and so you know I wanted to have him on and whatnot. And so again. MC, he goes by Bobby G, uh, and he's a former military guy. Um, he's, you know, he's open about his own PTSD, which you'll be talking about here. I had a chance to catch up with him. Now, this interview we took place last summer, so summer of 2019. Uh, and you know, as you know, for a lot of different reasons, um, I stack my episodes depending on, uh, you know, if, if something happens during the week and I'm able to get a, like, you know, let's say. You know, like with the coronavirus, if I wanted to get a hold of somebody this week and talk about that, you know, then that is an episode. And I usually try to have a good eight or nine episodes in the tank. Just so that every week I'm not calling somebody and saying, hey, you want to be on the show? And it's last minute. And I know you didn't get a chance to think about it, but hey, you want to think about it? So I try to stack. Like next week I have like three um, more podcast interviews and stuff. And so that'll keep me going, you know, particularly during weeks when I'm just, I just didn't reach out to anybody. I was busy and here we go. We got one. And so uh, I knew I wanted to do something on Israel and Palestine. I knew I needed to find some folks. I did. And so now this kind of just all lines up. Uh, perfectly and so this like I said this I wanted to start with Bobby and uh, you know have this conversation with him and then like I said next week we'll lead into you know the heavier the heavier stuff right the conflict and Zionism and all that stuff right that uh, you know third rail issues right but Hey, this profane faith and we going to go in. Um, so for Bobby, like I said, I got a chance to catch up with him at a conference last summer. And so we had a chance to sit down and just talk and and rap a little bit about, um, you know, life and emceeing and God and hip hop and, and what those things look like from his perspective. Um, and how those, all those things come together. Now, again, this is pre coronavirus, (laughs) So, you know, nobody's washing their hands down to their, like, you know, tissue muscle tissue, uh, and whatnot. But, It was hot as hell, and we were in a hot-ass portion of this lobby. Uh, But nevertheless, we had a great conversation. So here is that conversation. And again, for those of you who are listening, show notes, whitehodgepodcast.com. Subscribe, like, share with a friend. I just want to send a big shout-out to folks who've been sharing and retweeting all that good stuff. Hey, thank you. It helps. All those things help, especially as we continue to build our audience. All right? All right, folks. Well, here's Bobby G. Check it out. There we go. Well, Bobby G, brother man, what's happening? Welcome, welcome to Profane Faith, man. Thanks for taking time out your busy schedule to, to be with us. <laughs> Thanks for
1: having me, man. It's, it's 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 been a long time coming. I think.
0: I I know it has been, and I think there was that one. There was a couple posts you put on Instagram that I was like, oh man, I gotta get this brother on here and talk about. <laughs> you have a very unique and interesting background that connects a lot of different circles, and yeah. so I be interested man just what what has been your experience from birth to now uh to try (laughs) to give the for the
1: sake of time i'm going to give a summarized (laughs) version um born in gurney illinois um lived there at house one and a half years old eventually moved to uh sparta wisconsin which basically to give a uh andy griffith uh analogy, like basically we moved to May we we moved from like the burbs of Chicago to like Mayberry. <laughs> okay. With Barney Pfeiffer okay. as a sheriff. Oh my. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's that's what happened. Okay. And, and it's like you ever see the movie Walking Tall? Yeah. Like how crazy the town had yeah. could become. huh. That's what Sparta Get not only was, but is I'm not here. even joking. I'm not even playing. <laughs> I'm not even playing. It's bad it's bad. It's that Okay. Baby, it's that in like um, I grew up in a very when I was living in Grandwood Park up in Gurnee, which is my original hood, if you will. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I was living; we were a work. It was a very blue collar neighborhood. Okay. So it's like and fairly diver- fairly diverse uh, okay. culturally speaking. Yeah. So like that was just the norm for me, and like growing up with a cousin who's Latina, who's half Mexican and Polish. Okay. Um, shout out to my auntie, um, my mom's sister. And then I have uh, growing up with my dad. My dad uh, introduced me to his great uncle, Tony, or Antonio, uh, who was a refugee from Cuba when Fidel and Che were, Damn. you know, taking a So He's like, like, I'm out. Like that? It was like that, yeah. So I, it, for me, like, diversity was nothing new mm-hmm. when I graduated and went to the military. It's like, no, that's something that's a part of my family. That's something I grew yeah. up with. And then I moved to Sparta, and I'm like... Your well, the diversity <laughs> like, <laughs> and people would look at me and be like, you know, why is it a culture shock to you? You're white, and I'm like, yeah, but if you understood right. where I come from, you would understand why I'm like, uh, why, not, <laughs> whatever, why I just moved to like Bayberry, like, well, you know, why is Barney Fife the sheriff of the town? Oh like, man, <laughs> oh man, and moved to a trailer park and like. Let me tell you something. Have you ever seen the show Trailer Park Boys? Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Uh-huh. You seen 8 Mile? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Put those two together and you got the trailer park that I was in. Oh, man. Okay. And it's like, okay. it's like you only came to the trailer park for either a good reason or a bad reason. The good yeah. reason being that somebody gave you a pass. Yeah. And you, like, either me or somebody that I know gave you a pass so you could come out here. Yeah. Or you was up to something. It's like no, you either you either uh, come in here cuz uh, you got a pass or you you clown. Stop like stop wow. especially like especially if I knew somebody was from a middle class bougie family yeah or I knew they was rich yeah. and I saw them roll through and I don't mean roll through as in walking like nah. They 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 had enough money that their mommy and daddy got them like <laughs> They wasn't driving a hoopty <laughs> up in the up in up in like the hood, cause like basically, and I had people in in Lawndale and Littleville from Little Village okay. tell me that they're like, look, the trailer park is basically something to the equivalent of either the white people's version of the hood or the white people's version of the projects. That's what people. This <laughs> is people from Lawndale <laughs> and Little Village tell me this. Okay. Now. Okay. All you right. know, because like the commonality between the two is that obviously there are cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Cultural differences, obviously, yeah. but if you want to look at it from a class perspective. Yeah, poverty is poverty. Yeah, it doesn't manifest the same. Okay, I'll grant that. I'll I'll grant that. I'll willingly own that. That that's the the way poverty manifests itself in the hood in the trailer mm-hmm. park is not the same. Sure, but the basic premise. Yeah, of being broke. The basic premise you. of being like like I came from a broken home. My parents split up when I was young. Mhm. Food stamps. And this is during Clinton's era when Clinton was cutting all the welfare oh, and man. all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like my mama, you gotta understand, my mama for a, per month. Mm-hmm. Would get $70 in cash. That's it. And you gotta understand it. Single mom, four boys. Seventy dollars. Seventy seventy dollars. And like next to nothing for stamps. You know why? Cause she worked a full-time job. Oh. And my dad was working to pay, to, to to take care of my grandma, cause my grandma moved up. So my dad was trying to take care of her yeah. after he's after him him and my mom split. hmm And all just all that going on. And I moved to a town where don't nobody know where don't nobody know me. Yeah, like it doesn't matter if I have distant relatives yeah. up up there, which I still have, but like it just wasn't the same. Like I didn't have my aunties, I didn't have my uncles, I didn't have my, you know, grandparents. Rest in peace to my to my uh, grandpa Garkey, who died two weeks after me and my twin brother were born. Wow. Uh wow. Rest in peace to my um, maternal grandmother, my mom's dad. I got to see him. I got to talk to him one last Easter before he passed away. Okay. About ten years ago now, it's been ten years since he since he passed. Wow. And, uh, you know, rest in peace to my to me Irish grandmother, my grandmother, Rafferty. Like, okay. and I say Irish, like she's an Irish-American, but her parents came over from Ireland Okay, because they was trying to get away from, like, the rising, the GPO okay. and the rising, yeah. if you know about all of that. Yeah. If anybody's listening to this podcast, you know about the GPO and the rising, you know what I'm talking about. I ain't got to explain. <laughs> you know what it is. So I come from, and how my grandparents got together is beyond me, sidebar. Like, you gotta understand, my... Paternal grandfather, my dad's dad is was German Lutheran. Mom, okay. dad's mom was Irish Catholic, and this is pre-Vatican II, so you gotta understand, Irish Catholic and German Lutheran—that just done, especially yeah. then. Yeah. that was that did. Yeah, like this is a thing that people, some people I think don't get is that like, I don't know if I can say this across the board, but it's like, when I was growing up, I wasn't raised just to be a white dude. I was like, yo, you're Polish, you're Irish. And you're this and the other on your father's side. And then years ago, Ooh. as you, I think as you were aware, we found out about my Jewish right. heritage. Right, right. And that was a whole nother thing. Like, and this is, this is, this is a trip. Like, I remember at one point, this is a sidebar, I kind of fast forward a little bit, but um. I, I had one person who I thought was cool when I thought revealing my Jewish heritage and the, and I kid you not do looked me in the eye and he said, so where's your secret Jugol at juggle at?" I'm not even, I'm not even playing. No, I I'm believe telling it. you straight I up, it, man, I believe it. Yeah. But it's like, but that's what we're dealing with in the times that we yeah. live in. Like, yeah. but to go back to my story of like growing up birth till now, like I, I was, a, I was a, kid I was talking to some people here at Legacy and I was mm-hmm. just kind of telling a little bit of my testimony I was like I was ruthless but there was a uh, we were doing an icebreaker workshop and they said one of, the, one of the icebreakers was I was blank but God and I said I was ruthless but God and then when I told what I meant by that it's like this is how, this is how bad this is how angry I was mm. if someone was disrespectful to me back in Sparta I wouldn't just go up and try to like swing on you it's like no I'm going to get the 411 on you first I'm gonna get the tea on you first, okay. And I'm gonna put you on blast. Have you come to me, and then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna take care of things. And, and I told that to yeah. one of the people I was doing an icebreaker with at the at the at the at the meet on Wednesday night. Yeah. And dude looks at me. He's like, "No, nah, you were a ruthless. You were a savage." Like,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, that's how I agree. Like, even before I got into the military and even before I got some of the training I got, I was already the kind of dude who who knew how to move in a certain way and what have okay. you. And part of that's because my father's ex-military. Okay. Like, my dad likes to say he was a medic, but then I see the the JSOC patch on his on his arm, which okay. Jay says, I don't know if you're familiar with that terminology, JSOC, for those who do Break it,
0: for break it down for, for, for the folks.
1: Uh, for those who don't know, JSOC means Joint Special Ops Command. Okay. So it's like my there was special he likes to say he was medic which he has the medic patch but then i see his special forces thing and i'm like yeah medic okay yeah okay and it's a thing of like i'm not gonna speak on on my father's experience because like he hasn't told me his experience because it's a thing of like when you're special forces even if you want to talk about certain things you can't hmm. even now like you he still has to wait like a certain number of years before he can talk about stuff
0: so i was just waving to some, some friends. No, on am no, no disrespect. It's all good for those those listening. We we sitting in the lobby here area. So you know we live and in charge, man. So yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah. he was talking about your dad, and he said he couldn't. You know, he said he he's he's not being able to share anything. He's, he's
1: not able to share anything. Like he might be able to share a few few little tidbits here and mm-hmm. there. Like he could share that he's a medic. He could share he was in for like a certain period of time. But there were certain things that it's it's just you can't do that. Like that's what you sign up for. Mm-hmm. Like and I. It took me going into my own service in the military yeah after I graduated yeah. from high school cuz like when I first, when I when I graduated from high school and went to the military I was a young, very young believer like I was less than 2 years in the faith okay. so I was very, I was less than 2 years after confessing to Jesus So I was very green okay very green where
0: did you like and what was and, and just real quick I want cuz I want to hear I want to get into the the military side of your yeah. of your background yeah what was uh like meeting Jesus and all that stuff like that, was that, how did that, you know?
1: It wasn't I, like a typical pray pray a prayer or anything like that at all. It wasn't mm-hmm. like Columbine, which is 20 years ago this year.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, two weeks after that, my twin brother and I, for those who don't know, I'm a twin. Mm. Fraternal twin, but twin, twin yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. Um, he got accused of, I don't know if you've heard of the phrase, trench coat mafia. Oh,
0: yes. We yes. That comes
1: from us. We were, yeah. the pi- we were the people that were first accused of starting something like that. If you want to know where the roots is, okay, this, is legend, down. this is legend. This is this for is- people who's legit, want to know where the legend comes oh, from. The okay. legend comes from me and my twin brother. Because what happened was after, Col- after uh, Columbine happened, mm-hmm. what happened was they were known for wearing trench coats right. going around school. Mm-hmm. So was my twin brother. I didn't as much. My mm-hmm. older brother did, but he was out by the time Columbine happened. Like my older brother, who had already graduated and, w- and had dipped out, and was like, "I'm out of here." Okay. Um, but it was a thing. It wasn't m- m- like I was in theater. I was trying to get in theater, and <laughs> the community theater. Shout out to to Lori Swagger. She's the mother. She's my mother in the Lord, if you will. Okay. Like All right. she, um, she gave me the time of day when nobody else would. Okay. Like, it wasn't this, you gotta come to church and da-da, no. Nah, no, this was not your typical, like, or said, pardon me for saying, this wasn't, I mean, we're on the Profane Faith Podcast, like, this was not your stereotypical prayer, prayer, Ooh. ABC kind of moment, like, no. It was, my brother was getting falsely accused, my twin brother was getting falsely accused of putting up a hit list by okay. somebody in the cast. Cops come, search him, come up to me i got a senior giving me the third degree i'm not gonna name who it was but i got a senior giving me i got a senior giving me the third degree just chewing me out asking me what's up with this that and the third and i got no idea what he's talking about like we were already we already had a bad rep as it was Mm -hmm. we already had like a rep that was like infamous because we were city slickers we weren't from sparta first off okay second of all we're from the trailer park (laughs) right right right. this is before a mile came out like, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is this is before, but I'm I'm about to tell you right now. a Sidebar, what you saw on Eight Mile, that's not wholly inaccurate. A lot of what you saw in Eight Mile of how the trailer park moves, or mm-hmm. what you might see in the show Trailer Park Boys, mm-hmm. not all that's untrue. Some of it's like a little out there, but like mo- most of what you see, like no, that's that's Trailer Park life. Like that's how it that's how it is. Hmm. Um, but anyway, like. My brother gets accused, and I'm his twin, so automatically it's the it's guilt by association. Sure. Off top. Right. And so cops look at me, you know, get up. I'm talking like get up against the wall, pat it down, oh, wow, wow, the whole thing, search my stuff, search okay. his stuff. I was, when I say I was tight, mm-hmm. when I went home, I'm I'm like, in the back of my head. And I didn't know the following two years later, but in the back of my head, I'm, wa- I'm going home. My mom picks us up, chews out the principal, I found out, <laughs> gets us, takes us home. And in the back of my head, I'm going home thinking like, oh, you think I was scaring that? You think I'm scary now? Yeah. Watch. Yeah. Watch. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to come back. We're going to see it. you. You really want to see what, I'm, what I can do? <laughs> but the uns- unexpected happened the very next day. I go mm-hmm. back to practice, mm-hmm. same theater group, next day and people are saying hi to me. Some are giving me handshakes. Some are giving me hugs. What I didn't know is that the theater director, just in case, had had locked everybody inside the auditorium, Mm -hmm. but she's like, we have an opportunity to make sure, we have a responsibility to make sure that what happened at Columbine doesn't happen here. We have a responsibility to that. And she looked at some of the, I guess, who were some young believers among the cast, and she's like, you're a Christian. You're a Christian. You're a Christian. Hmm. It's part of your walk to minister to those who nobody else is good, who nobody else is gonna give, give the time of day to. And those were the people that were giving me handshakes and hugs and saying, what's up the next day. Which okay. threw me off guard. I didn't, I was like, hold on, like about 24 hours ago, everybody, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting the third degree and getting cert, cert right. along with my right. brother. Now I got everybody saying hi to me. I'm like, uh, so we things carry on we get to the end of the play it was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers it was a musical we were doing that was a okay. musical that we were doing and I remember the very last show we all get into a circle holding hands and the director wants everybody to say um, what they're thankful for and one of the cast members says that they were thankful for me of all people because I didn't complain I didn't even realize it. Okay. Like she was like, I didn't complain. She was talking about how I didn't complain once because there was some drama going on between the local mm. beauty pageant, okay, and the theater I got group. You. Yeah. There was, some, there was beef. <laughs> I'll just put yeah. plain. I'll just make it plain. There was beef yeah. Yeah. between the pe- beauty pageant and all that. And um yeah, it was just. It was just. All that going on and I didn't say nothing to no I didn't say nothing to nobody apparently. I didn't, you know, cuss nobody out. I didn't do none of that. I didn't even realize it. That's the funny part. Okay. I didn't even realize I was doing all that. Um and so it was just it just was something that threw me off. Next thing I know, I'm getting invited to Bible study after the show. Okay Next thing I know I'm getting invited to church, which is actually up the street from from the trailer park where I live, which is on the other side of the industrial park that I li- okay. that I lived in the back of that was the other thing is we were bad we like if you can't that's why it goes back to what I said before is like my trailer park was in in behind an industrial park, which like you you ain't come back there for like right just cause like nah it's developed <laughs> back there now it's all developed there's homes and stuff back mm-hmm. in where you, there used to be farmland okay. over by where I'm at but okay. at the time nah that wasn't the
0: case okay <laughs> nah. so. So, so I just want to do a quick stop. We no, no, no. Now that's that's good. I would. I just want. I was. I was curious how all that that came came together and stuff, man.
1: Yeah. And but it just it came to a point where I remember very clearly, one night, and this is before the Sunday that I that I surrendered my life to Christ. But I remember it was Stephen Curtis Chapman, the song "Be Still and No from his Speechless album. Okay. And we were playing it near the end to kind of to kind of round out the Bible study that I had started to go to, which mm. I and I'd started getting into like. Like, mind you, I grew up from a very from a very nominal Catholic family. I had never heard contemporary Christian music in all my life. Okay, let alone the reform hymns or anything like that. So I go to this Baptist church, okay, Southern Baptist church, oh, no man. less, and I'm hearing contemporary gospel music for the first time in my life, and I'm like, what is this? I'm like what in the I don't know this right. I'm used to going to masks See my cousins getting like christened And all that stuff yeah. And it's like, we're like yeah. yes. You, yes. Know, you know it's like, Monty, it's like Monty Python up in that joint Like You know what I'm saying That's how it is No disrespect to the Catholic Church I'm just saying That's that's what it is I feel you I feel you Yes So So I'm in i I'm in a Southern Baptist Church seeing like people stand up, clap their hands in the pews and everything. Uh And I'm like, what is this? I'm not used to this. This is foreign to me. Right, right. And yeah. And so it's, it's that. And I remember the following Sunday, it's like after Bible study, pastor, uh, to give a summation of the sermon talks about, first he talks about the woman caught in adultery in John eight, where she was guilty of sin, but so was everybody else in the crowd. And that's what Jesus was bringing out. Like he was, he was like, Oh, you gonna condemn this woman, but let me ask you something. He's basically I'm paraphrasing he's like any one of you who ain't got who has no who has who has no like anybody who's has no smut on their rep to paraphrase Nipsey <laughs> Hussle, like yeah. hey, the first person, the one the one person that's got no smut on their rep, you can be the first one to strike her down. And everybody dipped out. Why? Because nobody could. Nobody could say nothing, nobody could do nothing. And it's him and and it's him and the woman. And he's like, you know, where's your accusers at? Nobody condemned you. She's like, nobody and he's like, Go and send no neither do I. Go and sin no more. And then he talks about when Jesus is up, when Jesus is pinned up. Alright, when he's getting ready to be when he's up there on the cross, all that. Two mm-hmm. criminals beside him. Yeah. And the pastor points out, he's like, Mind you When he gets asked by the one criminal to remember to remember to be remembered when he comes into his kingdom the pastor points out, he's like, Mind you, this is the son of God going through the most horrendous pain you could possibly imagine plus his father's turning his face away plus he's got all the sins of the world on him could have said no yeah could have turned away could have popped off that cross and be like i'm out but what does he say looks over and says it says he looks over and says to the to the dude surely i see you today today you will be with me in paradise.'" and he didn't at the altar call he didn't even need he didn't even have nobody raise their hands he just laid it out there and i was just like i'm done i just said to god i'm 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 done nobody forced me to go up in anything nobody forced yeah. me to make a choice i'm just like i'm i'm done i can't do this anymore mm-hmm. like if i if i, I the only way i'm going to be able to continue on this side of eternity is if i have you point blank period it's, 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 i'm not going to be able to keep doing this i, I can't keep going on the road that i'm going I can't be the the the, as we put it earlier, like I can't be like the ruthless <laughs> savage that I was. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't do that no more. Like I got, just to rewind quick, like my freshman year, I got a week of in-school suspension because I swung on somebody. Okay. Because they were saying, because they were saying your mom, because they was going to me like your mama this that in the third, I was like nah. <laughs> I, I come from that family. It's like no, you don't talk, you don't disrespect nobody's, you don't disrespect my mama or anybody else's mama for that matter. Like yeah. nah you know and my mom was going through some 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 uh oh man medical yeah. stuff mm-hmm. so i'm like no nah, you, the, the, the you know like nah. <laughs> and they had to and they had to give me you know they had to yeah they had to score me with my hands behind my back and take me to in school suspension and i was there for a week wow okay. so yeah so I, I was i was a it wasn't that i was never a nice guy in school yeah but i was a guy that was like yeah i'm a nice dude but don't try me yeah like and I'm still kind of that dude but like like I don't know if you saw the, the uh, Immortal Technique the Revolution of Immortal Technique the documentary of Immortal Technique oh no I, I have not you I gotta check to. that out okay but there's a spoiler there's a little bit of a um, thing where him and Ice-T are, are just sitting in some chairs chilling talking kind of like we are now and um, I'm trying to remember where I'm going with this but um you know it's the thing where i it, it's an extra it's some extra stuff if you get the dvd for for the okay. okay if you get the dvd there's some extra stuff there's an interview where him and ice are talking and ice T's like you know i could do what i used to do when i was in the streets but i like this better where he is now mm-hmm. and he says you know the old T would have been like ah i'm gonna kill everybody he's like the new ice tea is like no i'm gonna kill you right <laughs> 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 and, and tech just laughs like that. He's like <laughs> Cause he knows he's serious. Because he knows Ice is serious. Like mm-hmm. But but what I'm saying is that like I know what I'm capable of I know what I'm capable of. Like I don't know if you've ever seen the show Highlander. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm basically like Mythos today. It's like just cause I don't <laughs> you know, I'm not looking for a fight, but it's like just there's the episode of Morgan Walker where he's like right before he takes out Morgan, he's like, Just cause I don't like to fight doesn't mean I can't. It's like I'm a nice guy and everything, but don't don't think for one Don't think for one It's like, like Again I'm not advocating violence I want to say For those who are listening To this podcast I'm not advocating no, violence man, I'm not this advocating is, this But there's a difference Between it, picking a fight And defending yourself I, Absolutely there's, two, there's, there's a big difference and Absolutely even, even Martin Luther King Jr. In his last book Where Do We Go From Here Which I have an original First edition of Wow Alright um, He even wrote in his book That uh, I think it was him And um, It was the head of the SNCC Uh, Stokely. yeah. Him and Stokely. He talked about how him and Stokely had a conversation and Stokely was talking about the whole, uh, using black power as a slogan. And King was like, listen, I get that as a sense of, of self-empowerment. I get that as a sense of identity. And he said that, um, Stokely felt that they should defend themselves if people came down on them. Martin was like, nah. He's like, and Martin made the point of saying like, I'm not against self-defense in your own home. I'm not against self-defense. I'm not against, like, if you need to, you know, be shocked, clock ready radio rock in your own house in case something goes down at your house, fine. But if this is in public, it's different because we're trying to exercise the rights that are supposed to be given to us under the 13th, 14th, 15th amendments uh, under the Constitution. I'm just trying to to get the system to own up to the rights that they're supposed to give everyone on paper. Mm -hmm. I want what's on paper to actually be in practice, not just on paper. And so it was just a disagreement between him and Stokely. Between him and Stokely. Yeah. You yeah. know, but he says that the media blew it way out of proportion.
0: Surprise. I mean, we, I mean, that's not happening now, today, but. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Well, what, well. And on that note, what and, and what, what led you into the military? You said you went there, you said after high school? Yeah, I, I was straight out of high school. Wow.
1: Straight out of high school. I was like, in some sense, I'd be lying if I said that none of the reasons were because I wanted to kind of follow my dad. Mm-hmm but i went navy cuz uh, so i went a little different i went to my great grandpa benny on that one who was world war II. okay oh uh, yeah i had relatives that were in world war 2 korea nam um, okay that, yeah, oh yeah oh yeah on both sides so okay. so it's not like my maternal grandfather was in the air force during korea when that whole thing was going down okay um so we're a bunch of tough we're tough we're a tough crew you know we're a tough tough family but um Military, I was just like. Part of it was was I followed my dad. Part of it, again, I'd be lying if I said it had nothing to do with me being like, I'm out. Like I'm just out. I need to get out of this town. Yeah. Like, cause this isn't healthy. It's not gonna be healthy for me to stay here. Yes, I was in the Lord at that time. But if I was gonna grow, I needed to. I needed to get out. Get out of this place. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and kept, check this out. Nine eleven. Yeah. That very morning, kid you not, Mm -hmm. just went through through some, I'll say trials and tribulations, what we call battle stations, Mm -hmm. which is a hard part of training, which is like the last leg of training. Okay. That very morning on 9-11, I was in anti-terrorist training class. That very morning. Interesting. Okay. I kid you not, right before news broke out, we were talking about what would happen if a plane situation were to happen. Hmm. Literally, as soon as he was getting ready to talk about that, my head drill instructor comes, looks at our instructor. He's like, hey, you got to see this. Next thing I know, bases on lockdown. In other words, if you ain't military personnel, you got to go. Okay. I'm talking like when I say they shut it down, I mean, they shut it down. I'm talking Hummers out front. I'm talking dogs. I'm talking the whole nine. Okay. All right. Like no jokes. No, no, we're fitting to play like nah. And I tell you, um, one of the things in the military that I'm not a fa- I'm not a fan of the I I'm not gonna advocate a draft per se, even though places like Israel they have that where you have to men and women both, mind you. But I will say this that with all this going on in our country right now, mm-hmm. sometimes Moral Technique said this when he was on the Brilliant Idiots podcast with uh, Charlemagne and Andrew Schultz in them. You can look that you can look that up. Look that up. Um, it seems like sometimes unity ends up coming from catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he used an example of like we could have like a militiaman or remember the KKK in this room. There's an immigrant in this room. There's a person of this ethnicity and this ethnicity and so on and so forth. We can all hate each other. But the moment somebody drops a spider the size of the table that was in the room with them, the dude, that dude from the KKK is going to look at the immigrant and be like, bro, let's kill this thing. Let's let's get this. Like, I mean, if you you remember uh, Independence Day. Sure. Where it's like, you know. Dude who's given, who plays the president. I think it was Bill what's his name? Bill Pullman. Bill yeah. Pullman gave that speech of like we can't be setting up any differences anymore. And it's like, I'll tell you right now, as someone who did two tours in mm-hmm. the Navy, one being a combat tour, when the whole thing jumped off with Iraq in three. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you there's some things I'm not allowed to speak on, whether sure. or not but what I can but I can tell you is this. And I personally witnessed this. If you are two pe if there are two people from two different ethnicities who don't get along prior to going on a combat deployment, they will be buddies by the end of that deployment. I promise you that, because the, here's the reality: there's only one. There's only you. Got only one or two options, because they know you ain't on the ground. You can't wait for the fire department if something goes down. It's like no, you are the fire department. Yeah. Right? If yeah. goes south, if things go south, mm-hmm. and things went south a few times. When I was over there I can't Again I gotta be careful On what I speak on Because of national security And all that sure, stuff Sure sure you know? sure Just in case we might have Like certain individuals In Washington Listen to this yeah, podcast I, Yeah you never know man You never know these days <laughs> But um Yeah we We Had a point Where The reality was Is like Look we got one or Two options Either we You going to We going to lock in And lock up And And live to see Another day or we're going to sink, literally. Those are our options. Yeah. Whether you like each other or not, whether you respect each other or not, that's the reality. Am I saying that everybody should go to a war zone? No. What I'm saying is that it's t- this is not a time and place in history where we can avoid hard conversations. This isn't a time and place in history where we can just say whatever. This isn't a time and place in history where we can just brush things off as if it never happened but it's not about just having hard conversations i would say it's not just talking about the tough topics okay it's being honest okay when we talk about the tough topics like i don't assume like i, I was taught up even from my dad that you never assume anything of anyone mm-hmm. ever you know and growing up with a again growing up with a cut growing up with a cousin who who's who's half polis half f mexicana right growing up with a uh, great uncle who's a Cuban refugee it's, it's it's not like I didn't know what was going on in the world there was no getting around that yeah. growing up but the difference is that I grew up learning that it's a non-issue like I grew up family is family no matter who it is and I can't speak for everybody I don't know how everybody is and I'm not gonna try and make any assumptions like I said sure. before like cause that's not helpful that doesn't help anything uh to Use an Irish word to to uh, to be to assume is to make an arse out of you and me, <laughs> like. Because what do I do if I'm assuming? I'm projecting something, and even Scripture speaks on this. Like, think about it. Proverbs says that he who speaks on a matter before he hears it is what is a fool, right? So it's like, and that what does that come from? It comes from assuming. You speak yeah. on something you don't know about, you're assuming and you think you you think you this that and the third, right? So I don't go off doing that because that's not healthy and that's not gonna especially in the church. Like that's not and especially between like messianics, like my or people like myself who are like modern day Timothy's who got Jewish and Gentile interests, it's like that's not gonna help anything. It's not gonna it's not gonna like I've been this November it'll be twenty years walking with God. Okay. Twenty years, two decades. And I'll tell you, in all that all this time I have never, um, I've n- never seen a situation where people were honest and open, and things didn't come to a resolution of some sort. Like I've never seen a situation okay. where, like, again, it's not just about whether or not we talk about the tough topics; it's whether we're honest when we talk about them.
0: What do you mean by you, when you mean, when you say honest? What's what does that honesty Honest means look like.
1: like you're willing to say when you don't know something that you're willing to say, I don't know. Okay. It's, it's willing to own up. It's willing to own up to, in my case, like if there's something I don't know about, it's owning up to my ignorance. Okay. It's owning up to the reality of what I don't know. It's it willing to be say, like if someone asks me something I don't know, I can be like, I don't know, but let me get back to you on that. Or if I don't understand something, it's, willing, it's me being willing to ask the question like, what you mean? Like can you please can you break down what you're trying to say so that yeah. I can understand what you're trying to get at Yeah 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 it's it's trying to get to the root of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Where is this conversation coming from? Because when you get to the root of the conversation and we're honest about why this conversation came up in the first place and why we why we feel the way we do about certain issues, mm-hmm. then we can start to get a place where we can move forward. Okay? You know, and I'm also, you know, I I'm not currently in school right now, but I was uh, okay. at UW Lacrosse which all I'm going to say about that school is that school needs Jesus. I'm, oh. I'm, 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 I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Uh, but a uh, shout out to my advisor who really, you know, put me on the path of learning uh, the scripture in its context. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why we have issues in the church today, um, and I've seen this again, this is after almost 20 years of walking with God. Mm-hmm. If, one, if there's one issue I say that needs to be addressed, it's, it's, a, it's looking at scripture in its original historical, cultural context. Because I think the, a lot of the misinterpretation Not all, but I think a lot of misinterpretation Of scripture comes from people not looking At the context from which scripture in and of itself Comes Okay. Historically, culturally, archaeologically Speaking, because So much of that is left out There's a bible that I have now, it's not here with me But um, It's called the Tree of Life Version of the Itzhaim Okay. Bible, it has the blessing of Aaron The, the prophetic blessing of Aaron um, it has the Chaim, which is a tree of which is the tree of life, which is usually sung in synagogues when we're getting ready to close up. Um and part of that is because the Jewishness, the reason that comes is the Messianic Community, it comes out of the Messianic Jewish Family Bible Society. Yeah. And the reason that was brought out is because what was said in the beginning by uh Jeffrey Seif, who was the who was the project coordinator mm-hmm. for this particular translation, and there are a lot of transliteral Hebrew words in it because there's certain okay. words that you can't translate in English. Yeah um, That don't have like an equivalent Sure Yeah um, And he made a point of saying that It seems like the Jewish cultural The Jewish cultural identity of scripture itself Because that's where scripture comes from Seems to have been lost okay. Or glazed over Okay And because of that There's a lot of nuance And a lot of understanding of the text That has been lost Okay And because of that They wanted to bring that back Okay With this translation
0: and I a lot see of messian- what you're saying
1: because, like, if you think about it, a lot of New Testament uh, translations, when it talks about who were Jesus' enemies, it says the Jews were going after him. Mm-hmm. Whereas the more proper translation is the Judean leaders okay. were going after him. Because and the reason I make that point clear is because a lot of anti-Semitism in some churches comes true. from that translation. That's
0: true. Yeah, no, it's true.
1: That's no, a good point. And the thing is... <sighs> Like Taseed, uh, who I mentioned before, who's mm-hmm. a Palestinian Christian, and also Mossab Hassan Youssef, uh, who has wrote the book Son of Hamas. I don't know if you've read that book or, or not. Uh, Heard of it. I, I have not I, gotten to it, though. I've read it. I've read it through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's called out Palestinian leadership. There's a There's a show on YouTube called Middle Ground. Okay. If you get a chance to see it. There's, a, it, there's an episode where Palestinians and Israelis come together. Okay. One of the first things they do to try to find some middle grounds, to try and find some common ground amidst all the chaos, Mm -hmm. is they make a differentiation between the issues that they have, how the issues that they really have is not against ordinary citizens of Israel or or the Israelis say that their issue is not against ordinary Palestinians. It's against the powers that be. It's against the authorities of their respective territories. Mm-hmm. What the issues are, because if you go to the average citizen, like there are a lot of peace uh, ministries, and I'm not necessarily talking about reconciliation as oh let's forgive and forget, but no, it's a more of of what Desmond Tutu did with the with the Truth and Reconciliation Committee committee of like let's actually talk about what actually happens. Real reconciliation is not just. Blazing over what happens and putting it away as if it hadn't heaven. No, it's admitting what happened. It's admitting the truth, the facts of what actually happened, and trying to see if we can, once those facts are put forth, if the person who has been accused of these things is willing to own up. Because you think about it. Saul and David were two kings who both sinned. But here's the difference why Jesus is a man after God's own heart. It's not because he didn't sin. It's because David owned up to what he did. He owned up to his sins. He owned up to what he did wrong. And for this country to move forward, it's going to take, it goes back to what I said, it's not going to be easy. It's going to take some very hard some very long discussions about what has happened but we need to start small and grow I'm a big believer in start small and build sure yeah like because if we try to go for the gusto off the bat with certain topics it's going to be a lot harder to solve but if we start small with our neighbors if we start small with our friends if we start small with with friends we've known for like a decade at this point yeah absolutely absolutely and we're honest about it. Maybe, by the grace of God, maybe mm-hmm. we can get somewhere. But it has to be—it has to be honest, because if it's not on it, because if we're not, it's not. Again, it's not just about the hard top, talking about the hard topics. It's being honest when we talk about the hard topics. Ooh. Ooh. Whether it's economics, yeah. whether it's Second Amendment, whether it's constitutional rights, whether it's scripture, for that matter. Mm-hmm. We have to be honest about what Scripture actually says, and we have to be, uh, we have to not only be about that Christian life on paper, we need to be about that Christian life in practice. Because that's why so many people are leaving. That's why so many of the younger generation coming behind us is leaving. It's one thing, yeah. it's one thing pe- for people to hear people talk about that life. It's another thing to see people be about that life. Those are two very different things. And I think this generation coming behind us would rather see the latter.
0: Yes. Well, brother, thank you, man, so much. This is, uh, I have so many more questions. We didn't even get to the part of you emceeing and, and, and doing all the spoken word. <laughs> um, but I want to respect your time. And I know you at a conference and, and whatnot, man. So thank you so much for, for coming on uh, today. Where can folks find you at, man? If, you know, they want to, you know, further the conversations about, you know, with you and whatnot. And where can, where, 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 where are you at, man? Uh... On Twitter, which I'm not on as much, I gotta confess,
1: um, I'm at Theo Rap T H E O R A P, which you can find me under Bobby G right. under um, If you want to listen to my music, I'm at Theophany Productions on SoundCloud. That's T H E O P H A N Y Productions. All right. If you want to listen to my stuff, yes. uh, there's a couple free downloads okay. on there. Shameless plug. Uh, if you want to find me on the Gram on IG, it is at Theo Rap twenty two. T H E O R A P 22 the theo actually stands for theos which is greek for god so god rap basically it's god rap 22 Okay. 22 any veteran who's listening to this podcast you already know what that 22 is about i ain't got to explain
0: that you already know what it is <laughs> all right all right and for those listening you know i'll put all these in the show notes and so you can go to whitehorsepodcast.com and click uh, click on Bobby's links and check out his music like i said we didn't even get to the topic of of music and and hip hop and all that good stuff but Thanks so much, brother, for coming on and, and having a good conversation, a good meaty conversation.
1: Yeah, man. And hey, who knows? Maybe, God willing, we'll do a future episode where we can get back to that.
0: We should. We definitely <laughs> should, man. We'll have to hook that up, definitely. All right, man. Well, it was good to see you, brother. Good to see you too, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> All Thank right, you. my man.